So it's great to be with you here this morning on this bright, crisp winter morning. It was not a bad drive from Chicago. There's a bit of ice on the road near Bloomington, but, but not too bad for me. Um, I was described as a social justice warrior. I don't know about that. Um, I want to honor Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, who is a true social justice warrior um, on this Martin Luther King Day weekend. Um, for myself, I have the privilege and honor of traveling around the state, meeting with Unitarian Universalists around the state. I think this is the 21st UU Church I've been to this, uh, in the last couple of years, or last few years. Um, and it's always just an honor to be with you, and so thank you for inviting me to be with you today. The story, there's a story I'd like to play with today. It's a story about three brick workers who are asked to explain what they are doing. They all seem to be doing pretty much the same thing, working with bricks and mortar. But they each respond differently to the question, what are you doing? The first worker says what seems pretty obvious, I'm laying bricks. And of course, the work does involve bricks. There's nothing happening without the bricks. But the second worker answers the question a little bit differently. I'm building a wall. The third worker is doing exactly the same thing as the other two, but the third worker's answer to the question, what are you doing, is, we are building a cathedral. They all look like they're doing the exact same thing, but they each bring a different perspective to the work, which changes the context of what they're doing and perhaps how they're approaching it. And the analogy I like to play with, the individual bricks are the individual actions that we each take about the things we care about, the countless myriad things we do, the random acts of kindness, if you will, that make our world a better place. And what's really exciting as I travel around the state is to see how many of us are taking action, not just UUs, of course, but certainly we are doing that too. I get to hear about UUs who are providing basic necessities for people who are homeless, uh, UUs who are recycling and composting and putting up solar panels. UUs who are welcoming and being people who are lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender. UUs who are reading books about racism and having conversations about the supremacy of whiteness. And I suspect you do a lot of these things here in Peoria as well. And I look forward to learning more about them after the service. These are all wonderful things. As Clarissa Estes says, Regarding awakened souls, there have never been more able vessels in the waters than there are right now across the world. Look out over the prow of your ship. There are millions of boats of righteous souls on the waters with you. And yet, and yet we know that there are problems in the world that can't be solved just by individual actions. As a famous article puts it, taking shorter showers isn't going to stop global warming. Even the individual efforts of our congregations aren't going to be enough. And all too often, it isn't even our entire congregations, but are there just a few individuals sometimes who are taking the actions that we call our congregation's social justice work. Not that I want to discount any of that. Each individual action, each individual brick is important. But to deal with larger issues, we need to organize those bricks into walls. A rather unfortunate image these days, but work with me here. <laughs> When bigger and longer-lasting changes take place, it's often because there are organized and sustained efforts of lots of people working together with a plan. Like the wall that the second worker in my story talks about, such organized efforts encompass and shape our individual actions into larger collective efforts. That's the whole idea behind the organizing advocacy campaigns we do with the UU Advocacy Network of Illinois, our statewide justice network. 
We call it you, you, and I, because it's about you, you, and I working together to build a better world. We work to coordinate and integrate social justice efforts within UU congregations into more cohesive, broad-based, and impactful efforts at the congregational level. And then we, then we work to combine our congregation's work with each other, together with those of other organizations doing the work of justice in strategic advocacy, advocacy campaigns to bring about bigger changes in terms of policies and systems in ways that reflect not so much our political leanings, but our spiritual convictions in terms of our UU values and their implications in the political sphere. One of the ways we do this is through our weekly online actions of the week, which you can sign up for in the back, of the, after, in the back after the service. These are simple ways for us to combine our efforts as you use by emailing our elected officials every week about issues that are important to us in terms of our UU values. And while we have, currently we have hundreds of UUs around the state sending emails to dozens of legislature, legislators, and this adds up to thousands of emails every year. We also promote face-to-face -face meetings with our elected officials. We had 19 congregations meet with our legislators last year. As a result of these efforts, together with our partner organizations around the state, we helped to pass bills last year providing alternatives to incarceration and removing barriers to employment after incarcerations. Bills prohibiting registries of Muslims or immigrants and protecting undocumented victims of domestic violence and sexual assault. We did a small part in helping move along state ratification of the Equal Rights Amendment, and most recently a bill combating gun, illegal gun trafficking in Illinois. All these are efforts affirming our UU values of the worth and dignity of each person and our common interdependence. Last year we also piloted our first Voting Our Values campaign, affirming and promoting our fifth UU principle about the democratic process, in which congregations encourage their members to register and vote, and also to encourage community members to register and vote. And of the nine congregations around the state that were doing that, three were in Illinois' 6th Congressional District, which some of you may know elected a representative far more reflective of our UU values than its predecessor. Of course, we didn't do that by ourselves, but we did our part. In the past, UU and I has helped to pass numerous other reforms to reverse the tide of mass incarceration and to build trust between immigrant communities and law enforcement. We played a small part in resolving the budget crisis which gripped our state for two years and in passing marriage equality in 2013. Some of you were there at the gathering in Springfield in October of that year. One of the best examples of combining our actions with others who are share, you, share our values is the Illinois Clean Jobs Coalition, of which you and I is a member, and which with, with which I believe some of you have worked. This is a powerful statewide coalition that concludes not only just about every significant environmental organization in the state, but also businesses, labor, faith communities, and frontline community organizations representing low-income low communities of color most impacted by climate change. Two years ago, when the first major clean energy legislation in Illinois was being proposed, the Clean Jobs Coalition had built enough power that ComEd, the energy giant in Illinois, came to us and we ended up negotiating and passing one of the strongest clean energy bills in the nation. And I believe it helped to spur some investment in solar investment around Peoria. There's a new solar grid nearby that's a result of that legislation. Now, of course, as often happens when dealing with powerful adversaries, that legislation included trade-offs. 
that we're not satisfied with in terms of both equity and maintaining a healthy planet. So this year, together, we are uh, launching an even bolder initiative to further reduce our collective carbon footprint and get us all the way to 100% renewable energy in Illinois. It's based on an ongoing process called Listen, Lead, Share, which again, some of you may have been part of, that is seeking community input and building community support in every part of the state for getting to 100% renewable energy by 2050, a carbon-free power sector by 2030, taking a million fossil fuel vehicles off the road in Illinois, and creating thousands of jobs for those who will be most impacted. You have the opportunity to be among the first people to sign the petition in support of this legislation after the service with our brand new petitions that are on the table in the back. But if the last few years have taught me anything, it's that even the best organized campaigns aren't enough if there isn't a compelling story or vision that sparks people's imagination. Because we aren't moved just by brilliant strategic campaigns or policy positions. We are moved by stories, narratives that make sense of our experience and give us something to hope for. We're moved by visions that give meaning to our lives. I went to a storytelling event a few months ago for the first time, very much like the storytelling you hear on the Moth Radio Hour, if you ever heard that on public radio. It was amazing. A room, oh, maybe a fifth of the size of this room, but just packed to the gills with dozens and dozens of people, mostly young adults, as it turns out, crowded together just to listen to people sharing stories from their lives. These stories were authentic and compelling to listen to. They created community among those of us who were listening and these were stories in which people made meaning and found healing and created space for themselves and for us to see and to live life in new ways. Some of the stories were about falling in love and falling forward, or about childhood dreams falling apart and coming back together. Others were about making peace with the world by making peace with your parents. And I couldn't help think this is what we could be doing in our congregations, and maybe we're doing it more than I realize. Simply allowing each other the opportunities to tell our stories, processing our lived experiences in healing and visionary ways, and inviting others to come and share their stories. Because so often they're not just stories about what happened, but they're stories about what could be in the future and what's possible now. They're stories that help create the future they envision. My wife is a teacher, and back in the fall, she told me a story about her high school classroom, which was debating the Senate confirmation hearing of Brett Kavanaugh and the courageous testimony of Dr. Christine Blasey Ford. Some of her students were fascinated to be part of living history as it was playing out in front of them on the TV. Others were anguished to hear Dr. Ford's story and to see how women have been and are mistreated and their story is not believed. But one of the male students started to speak up in a way that was dismissive and demeaning to women. And my wife stopped him and said, you may not speak anymore until you can see Dr. Ford as your sister. And you could just see his, his whole body shifted in that moment. This was no longer just an abstract argument about men and women. This was about real people and about a real person who was, in many ways, his sister and our sister. My wife offered a vision 
a narrative for seeing what was happening on the television. It was a narrative that shifted what happened in that classroom and potentially shifted how that student will speak to and treat women for the rest of his life. That's what stories can do. They can shift the frame of how we see what's right in front of us. And they can offer us visions of how life can be in ways that change us and potentially the world. We Unitarian Universalists have a vision, a narrative, if you will, that embraces all of us and that compels us to embrace all of who we are, no matter who we are or what we look like, where we come from or how much money we have, what we believe or who we love. That's the vision we have to share with our neighbors and with our world. Tony Cade Bambara said, the role of art is to make the revolution irresistible. I would argue the same is true of religion and of Unitarian Universalism in particular. We need to make the revolution irresistible. We certainly need to keep laying bricks and doing all the good things we are doing to make the world a better place. And we need to keep organizing those bricks into walls, the good kind, and organizing people into communities so that we are not just isolated individuals doing individual things, but connected communities working together to bring about even greater things. But ultimately, I believe our vision, our vocation as a religious community is to share our vision of a world where everyone belongs and everyone counts, and to draw people into that vision in ways that are compelling, even irresistible. In a society in which some people's lives are regularly valued more than others, we proclaim the infinite worth and dignity of each person. In a society in which people are seen as fundamentally different and separate from each other, we proclaim the vision that we are all in this together, connected to each other in an interdependent web, inextricably linked, as Dr. King put it, in an inescapable network of mutuality, tied together in a single garment of destiny. In a society in which women and the environment are seen as objects to be used and exploited by those with power, we proclaim the narrative that we are part of each other and we need each other. And in a society in which violence is seen as the ultimate solution, we proclaim the vision of world community with peace, liberty, and justice for all, a world that works for everyone. These are the visions and the narratives that underlie our work for justice, beloved community, and a healthy planet. Our social action is not just about transactional partisan politics, but about our deeply held values and commitments, and about the values and about the visions and the narratives which express and amplify those values and commitments. Because it all really comes down to that in the big picture. Which visions and which narratives will we choose individually and collectively? One of my favorite scenes on television is from a show called The Newsroom, in which fictional television anchor Will McAvoy is asked why he thinks America is the greatest country in the world, one of those long-cherished narratives we love to tell ourselves in this country. Now, McAvoy is really quite a patriotic guy. He strongly believes in the ideals and values on which this country was founded. But he's also painfully aware of all the ways in which we've fallen short of our ideals and not lived up to our promise. At first, he hems and haws a bit. He jokes that the New York Jets are what make America great. 
And then he points to the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. But when pressed for a real answer, he launches into an impassioned narrative that reframes the whole conversation, listing all the reasons America really isn't the greatest country in the world, from low literacy to high infant mortality, ending with the three things the U.S. does lead the world in, the percentage of our population in prison, the amount we spend on the military, and the number of people who believe in angels. His answer is prompted by his producer in the back of the room, who has written on a legal pad in big block letters in response to the question, why is America the greatest country in the world? It's not, but it can be. Putting aside the question of whether anyone really needs to be number one, it's a brilliant illustration of the fact that we have a choice about what kind of nation we want to be. But we have to start with being honest about who we are and who we are not. It never ceases to amaze me how the country, our country, with the most mil powerful military in history, feels forever insecure about both the strength of our military and our own security. How the richest country in the history of the planet never has enough to provide for the basic needs of our citizens. And how a country built on stolen land and stolen labor constantly complains about how we are being taken advantage of by people from other countries. Our national narrative is a far cry from that of civil rights prophet Vincent Harding, who once said, the only duty the richest society in the world has is to become a servant to the poor societies, including those who are poor among us in this society. But we don't have to keep going in that direction. America isn't destined to be a country forever mired in entitlement, racism, xenophobia, and exploitation. On the other hand, it's far from certain that things will turn out, that love will win in the end. To me, it's not a matter of believing that things will get better or despairing that they won't. It's a matter simply of choosing. Choosing to put our skin in the game and our lives on the line. And making a choice to proclaim and live the values we claim and our UU principles and the vision of beloved community. It's ultimately a matter of making a choice to love, which is what our values are all about. Love, which is all that makes life worth living anyways. And inviting others to join us in making that choice. How do we draw people into making that choice? I think we do it by drawing them into community. Community, which is itself the very cathedral we are building together. The kind of community in which everyone is valued, all are connected, and no one is left out. That kind of community is created through relationships. Relationships are the mortar that connect us to each other. And relationships are created largely through conversations that help us understand each other and what matters to us. These are the kinds of conversations that are at the heart of what we do with you, you and I. We encourage conversations that are more intentional and more generative, that are about listening deeply to each other for who we are and what we can do together. We seek to deepen and strengthen our connections with each other and with those beyond our congregations, especially those who are marginalized in society, by reaching out and talking to each other, listening to each other, and creating the world we seek together. 
We need each of us to build this community as we are called. We need the bricklayers taking individual actions to make the world a better place. We need the wall builders organizing collective efforts to build better policies and systems. And we need the cathedral builders, the storytellers, and the vision keepers offering new ways of seeing what's right in front of us and proclaiming the vision of who we can be together. And we need to build these cathedrals, these communities, by talking with each other, by listening to each other, by making real our connection as human beings in an interconnected and interdependent world. What is it that you are called to build here at the UU Church of Peoria? What are the stories you have to tell? What is the vision you have to share with the world? We each have our gifts, something to contribute, even as we each have something to receive from each other. Let us join hands and embrace each other as we embrace the work of building a new way, a new story, and a new world. Blessed be.